Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Hey everyone, it is so good to be with you at the start of what I hope is a wonderful weekend. Hey, while you've been at home for a majority of the time, Maybe there's been some TV watching going on, maybe some binge watching of a show you love, or maybe you've been watching some of your favorite movies. One of my favorite movies is a movie called Pacific Rim. And this movie in particular really amuses the child in me because it's a movie about giant robots fighting giant Godzilla-like monsters, right? The robots are called Jaegers, which stands for hunter, and the monsters are called Kaiju, which means giant beast, right? And basically, these giant beasts start plaguing humanity. No spoilers here. They explain all this at the beginning of the film. But the big monsters... They start plaguing humanity, so humanity comes back and they build these giant robots to fight the monsters, right? But the monsters adapt and they evolve and they learn the human strategy, and so they get bigger and better and the robots start to lose, right? But humans were in, the humans were basically overconfident in these robots and didn't have a plan B. They had this plan A, but didn't have a plan B. And the reason I bring this up is because we are about to witness the scribes and Pharisees fall into the same trap. So if you would turn with me to John 8, verse 31, where it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my words, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. So we're going to pause there. I thought about going further, but I think there are some really important things for us to consider about who Jesus is and sort of a trap that we could fall into here that he is addressing. It starts off by saying, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The first part of this, I think we all know practically what that looks like. Abiding in my word is taking the time, setting aside the time space, the physical space, the head space, the heart space, 
We have to create space in our lives to sit down with the word of God and really meditate on what is being said, asking the Holy Spirit to come in and speak to us. Very important discipline in our life. Many of us call it quiet time, um, devos, or whatever it may be. As long as we're creating that space to spend time meditating on, stewing in, steeping in the word of God, letting it transform us, letting the Holy Spirit bring clarity to our minds and our hearts so that our actions change, so that our life looks different, right? That we have to spend time in his presence first. And that is what Jesus is leaning into, trying to explain this to this group of Jews, right? Then, as they answer him, we see their condition so clearly. It says that they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, I will be, you will become free? And this is where it comes in. I, I think they have this overconfidence in where they come from. If you'll notice in scripture, they have a lot of genealogies. There's tons of them because there was so much weight in where you came from, the people, the line, the bloodline that you came from. And so they are calling back to, we are from Abraham. And this is like the the trust that the humans in Pacific Rim have in these robots saying, we come from Abraham, we're good, we haven't been enslaved to anyone. And, and they have this crazy like national zeal or this crazy zeal for their bloodline that they're even blinded to the actual historical fact that Israel has been conquered or enslaved by so many different nations. We see in the book of Judges, they are enslaved by seven different major nations at the time. Seven. And then they are currently in a state where they just came out of captivity from the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and then now they are living under Roman rule. So this blindness has so saturated their minds and their hearts I don't know if what they think is a debate with Jesus is getting to them. You know how when you get into an argument or a debate with somebody, your facts start to get all like fuzzy? And I don't know if that's what's happening here, but you look at the historical and the political facts of what has gone on within Israel's history, and it's just so off base to say, we have never been enslaved to anyone. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus answers them and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So this brings up where Jesus is really getting in their hearts. He can see that they're blind. He can see that they aren't seeing what he's saying. So he targets the root of what's going on. He's saying those who practice sin are a slave to sin. He's pointing out the thing that is causing this kind of thinking, this kind of action within their hearts and their minds. 
He's saying you are slaves to sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So what is Jesus saying here? What picture is he painting? He's drawing the difference between a slave and a family member. Typically, a slave is not a family member, right? And a family member has more value in that picture than a slave does. So what he's saying there is if a family member sets you free, you will be free indeed. A family member who is a constant within that structure has the power to set a slave free. While also he's pointing to himself and saying the son has that power to set a slave free. Slaves do not have the power to set themselves free. But what Jesus is saying here is though you may be a slave to sin, I can set you free. I can release those chains. I can release you from that bondage if you abide in me. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, in Romans, he talks about this. In Romans 6, 20 through 22, it says this, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what Paul is saying here is that we were once slaves to sin, but then Jesus, when he comes in and sets us free and we put our faith and trust in him, we become a different kind of slave, a slave of Jesus Christ. And this doesn't have the negative connotation that a slave to sin was because the slaves of sin, it ends in death and destruction. But as we become slaves of Jesus Christ, he brings life to our life. The difference is who we're serving, the master that we're serving. And we see he's talking about money in the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. But in Matthew 6, we see him say, you cannot serve two masters. And that comes into play here. Are you going to serve sin? Or as he's going to get into, and we'll talk about on Tuesday, Are we going to serve Satan and our flesh, or are we going to serve Jesus? What I want us to look at here is what Jesus is offering us. He's saying, I am the son. I am that family member who will come in and set you free. I will set you free indeed. And I know that it says in verse 37, I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. So he wraps it back around to his initial statement in 31 within this passage. If you abide in my word. So as we take the time to make the space in our life 
and even dig into that space and the soil becomes good soil. If you want to know more about good soil, go to, I, I believe it's Matthew 13, the, the parable of the sower. And you understand that, that seed needs good soil to take root. Now, what kind of process do we have to go to to have good soil? My front lawn and even the lawn in the back of the community house is absolutely dead. It is dead as a doornail. I don't know what to do with it. So I've been researching how to revive lawns. I know nothing about this, but I have learned that I need to go and till it. If I'm going to do anything to it, I need to till it which is to stir up the soil and make the soil good again because it's probably been been compacted, there's rocks, there's debris, there's stuff in it, and you have to prep the soil, you have to till it. And I sort of get that same picture here, that sometimes we have to go in and till the soil and dig up and maybe ask God, God, what are the things, where have I been enslaved to sin? It's important to recognize our need for Christ and not be overconfident in the fact that like we, yeah, we can do this on our own, but really rely on Jesus to expose the things or till the soil of our hearts and our minds and expose the things that maybe we cannot see. We see in this passage that Jesus is clearly calling these Jews to abide in the truth, to listen to him, but they are so blinded by their heritage, by their religious traditions, by just their religion in general, that they do not see him in front of them saying, I will set you free from slavery to sin. You can be free. Just abide in me. And I think we have the tendency to fall in that same trap. So I want to ask you to evaluate over this weekend, to ask the question, what are we slave to that we cannot see? What are the areas of our life where we are enslaved that maybe we're not noticing that we're spiritually blind to? And some examples of this may be, Within social media, maybe you're hooked on social media and you're trapped and you're a slave to comparison. When Jesus wants to set you free and set you in a place of self-confidence in the identity of who he created you to be. At home, always wanting more. I, I fall into that trap of just sort of being cons a consumer and wanting more instead of being content. Content with what you have. Content with the blessings in my life. In relationships, maybe you're a slave to always trying to please everyone. And, and it's getting exhausting when, when Jesus didn't call you to please everyone. He called you to love out of his love. Maybe it's work. Maybe you're a slave to achieve, achievement. Maybe you just keep grinding away because you want to achieve and you want others to see how much you have done. When really God is calling you into a place of peace as working as unto him, trying your best and giving your best out of the giftings that he's given you.
Jesus wants to set you free from the slavery and the bondage that you may be experiencing within sin. And it may be major and obvious sins that cause serious wreckage in your life, but these things may be subtle as well, like comparison, always wanting more, trying to please everyone in achievement. Let's take this weekend to really evaluate and ask the Holy Spirit, what are the things that I'm still a slave to that you want to set me free from? And let's look at Jesus as that son within that picture that he gave, that family member who has the power to set us free. And when he does so, he calls us into the fold of God, into the family of God, and doesn't call us slave, even though Paul makes that picture for us to understand. He doesn't call us slave. He calls us sons and daughters. He calls us his children, and he walks with us in his way, in the truth, and in the life. And as we abide in him and abide in his word, he does miraculous things in our life. So let's do this together over this weekend, and I'm excited to find out what God does in and through it. I love you guys. Be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will talk again on Tuesday. 